Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Glad to have you with me again this morning. Every time I say that, I can't help but think that when I say good morning, I'm saying good morning to people that are around the world. And some of them, it's not morning, it's, it's night. It's middle of the afternoon. If you're in England, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. And if you're in Australia, I guess it would be uh, tomorrow evening sometime. Anyway, glad to have all of you from around the world with me this morning at the Digital Cathedral. I was thinking this week about the kingdom and living in the kingdom, especially in light of what we study here at the Digital Cathedral and all that we're learning. And I've come to the conclusion that if you want to live in the kingdom now, if you want to live in the kingdom today, which we're called to do and we're doing, we're functioning in it, but you're going to have to learn to live with mystery. A lot of people don't like mystery. Every, they want things cut and dried, black and white, want it to be evidenced and, and proven. That's not how the kingdom operates. Kingdom operates in a lot of mysteries. Kingdom mysteries, if you look back over generations, even back to the time of Paul, kingdom mysteries are revealed as people are prepared to receive the mysteries. Father, through the spirit of truth, does not pour out truth and understanding on people that are not prepared. So the new creation is positioned, I believe, very well positioned to live fully in the kingdom now. We're learning that we do have absolute full access to the entire inheritance that Jesus wrought for us when he said it is finished. Everything that he uh, died to bring to mankind is fully accessible to us. Now it's a matter of us learning how to function in it and get ourselves in a place where we elevate in our perception, our consciousness, our willingness to open up to the truth that he's actually revealing to us today. So let's never get our, ourselves in a place. Here's what I want to say at the very start, especially since we're studying about immortality. Here's what I want to say at the start. Don't despise mysteries. Know that you're going to have to embrace mystery. And for those of you uh, that are so logical and methodical and you want absolute proof, you're going, to have, you're going to have a real problem functioning in the kingdom of God because it's always been, there's always been some level of mystery. All right, if you have your Bible this morning or your phone or your device and you want to follow along in Scripture this morning, I want to start over and let me grab my right Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which is what we've been talking about right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, about how, the, how we're positioned to have full access to the inheritance that totally belongs to us. And we're learning what all that, that inheritance encompasses. And I don't think we've, we have... Um, We've dived to the depths of what that inheritance actually brings to us, what it brings to the table. But here's, here's how Paul said, and you know the scripture is one of the ones that you learned after you prayed the magic prayer. They told you that you were a new creation. But that's not what really makes you a new creation. What makes you a new creation is being in Christ. And that's what he says. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, the word therefore means the conclusion of what he's been teaching previously, and I'm not going to get into that. I'm just going to read the conclusion. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Ephesians 1 forces that you were placed in Christ before the foundation of the world. So you're in Christ this morning. Never doubt that. Don't let religion put any obstacles in your path telling you that you are not in Christ. You were in Christ in the mind of the Father since before time. If any man is in Christ, 
You were placed there before the foundation of the world. He is a new creation. That new creation is an awakening. Uh, the church has always called it being born again or a new birth. It's actually an, a, a, an awakening of your consciousness to who you've always been. Who you've always been in Ephesians 1.4. Didn't know it. We've been blinded to it. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. There's nothing of the old that you have to bring with you. Nothing from Adam, nothing uh, from pre-cross that you have to drag, uh, nothing from your remembrance of maybe things you'd like to, like to forget. You should forget them because old things have passed away. All things have become new. All right? All things have become new. Everything that entered the human race through Adam has been totally eradicated, revamped, rescheduled, redone in Christ and in you because you were co-crucified, co-resurrected, co-ascended in Christ. So everything that we read about Jesus, everything we read about Christ is absolutely true about you. Now, what we've been working on, and this is week number six, and I'm, I'm absolutely done this morning. I thought I was done last week, but I couldn't, in this week, I just couldn't let what I want to say this morning escape. It was kind of like a little missing piece of the puzzle, so I want to drop this in. The next week, we're going to move on, although we're going to, we're going to revisit this thing of immortality because it is beginning to break in the consciousness of people all over the world. So we've been, we've been studying in this little short series uh, really a dimension of the new creation that in most circles is not given any consideration. I don't think I ever heard, and I was a church kid, grew up in the church, went to, you know, was trained at the, at the, at the preacher factory. I never heard anything about immortality. Nobody ever said anything about it. And I, I think that this immortality is coming to light because we're finally realizing that the last enemy that Paul said would be defeated is beginning to get under our feet, which is death. The defeat of the last enemy that Paul taught, which is death. And that's been ignored for several reasons. I, I believe that this whole message has been ignored for several reasons. Let me just give you three practical reasons, maybe four. Three practical, three, four practical reasons, and then we're going to move on real quick, of, of why I think this message has been, has not been mentioned, has not been brought to the table I mean, first of all, before they get to three, first of all, it hasn't been revealed that this is even a possibility, all right? But the first reason is nobody's living it. People have a hard time uh, with mystery, with truth that is not being expressed in daily life. So nobody's been living immortality. And so that's one reason. It sounds impossible. And I know that as, as I've gone through this series to a lot of you, you've probably uh, shaken your head, you've probably rolled your eyes because it, it sounds crazy, it sounds ridiculous. And the third reason is nobody wants to teach immortality and then die. I mean, let's be honest about it. Nobody wants to teach on a subject and then not be able to produce it. Having said that, I think it's unfair to say that immortality is not part of the gospel package. It's not part of the gospel truth. It absolutely is, but, it, but it's a mystery to us at some level. It's still a mystery. It's starting to unfold. 
All mystery, all mystery unfolds like this. It unfolds step by step. It's a process. You see a little, and the more you see, the more you're able to see. To whom uh, much has been given, much is required. And to those that have little and increase it, they receive more. So it, it's a mystery on some levels, but spiritual mysteries are placed within the body of Christ to actually be revealed. And I think we need to get a grasp on the fact that mystery has always been part of the journey that the body of Christ has been on for generations. Paul said it like this in Colossians chapter 1. Let me, let me just read this for you here real quick. Colossians chapter 1, and let me, let me pick it up down in verse 25, and let me read just 25, 6, and 7. Paul said, I became a mystery according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. That was Paul's vision, to fulfill the word of God, the, 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 the full counsel. And he says in verse 26, the mystery which had been hidden from ages and generations. From ages, from generations. Now, was, was the mystery always revealed? Yeah, absolutely it was, but it was hidden. It was a secret, and that's what we're talking about in this series. It's, it, it's available, it's just still a mystery. It's a secret, but now has been revealed to his saints. So the saints, the Christ followers, are the ones that should be tapping in to the mysteries of the kingdom ahead of time. They, they should be the forerunners, and that's why you're at the Digital Cathedral. You're a forerunner. All right, verse 27 to them, them saints, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know what an explosive revelation this was? To say to the Gentiles, Gentiles, Christ is in you. Now the Gentiles were always looked upon as the ones that didn't have the gospel, the ones that need to be evangelized. Paul is telling them, Gentiles, he's, this was a mystery, but he said, I've got a hold of it. And the mystery is that Christ is in you Gentiles. That means Christ was in everybody. That's exactly what he's, what he's driving at. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This message was given, was a mystery among the Gentiles, and the mystery was Christ in you. So the point is this. At some point, somebody gets a hold of the solution to the mystery. Paul got a hold of this mystery of Christ in the Gentiles. Had, had Christ been in the Gentiles before, before Paul taught that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But nobody saw it. It was a mystery. It was hidden. Another reason probably that immortality and uh, not having your life taken from you, as Jesus said, no man takes it from me. I lay it down. I pick it up. I can lay it down is because religion, and this is how all of us were indoctrinated, religion has made everything about the afterlife. So when you come along, it's always about how to get to heaven, the formula to get to heaven, make sure you're right with God, make sure all your sins are confessed. You know, you don't wanna get before God and not, and not be ready to meet him. So with your last dying breath, you wanna make sure that everything is right because you're gonna stand before him. So when you have that posture and made everything about going to heaven, to teach immortality removes the biggest weapon that the church has, which is control and manipulation. See, the control and the manipulation is this. It's the fear of death. 
the fear of death and the consequences of death because, because we were taught that death is the end of the story. Can I tell you death is not the end of the story? It's not the end of the story. His mercy endures forever. None of us have our theology right. None of us have everything absolutely correct. We're going to learn throughout the ages. Isn't that what Paul said about grace? That it will take the ages to come for the mystery and the depths of God's love and grace to be revealed to us. But when religion takes away uh, immortality or um, um, death not being the end of the story, it takes away the consequences that we have been so drilled with that if you're not right, well, you're going to suffer the consequences of not being right with God. So death has been either the carrot to get your entryway into heaven, or it's been the stick to beat you <laughs> to make sure that you keep the law and keep yourself right before God. Religion, for whatever reason, and I think it's just probably the reason I laid out, concerns itself with getting you off to some distant heaven beyond the Milky Way out there uh, uh, to get you through the pearly gates so that you can enjoy this eternal vacation at a high dollar resort. And that's how it's been laid out to us. It's always just in front of us. It's just ahead of us. And so it's all been, been put off into the future. And that's not what immortality is. Immortality, and, we, and we've covered this several times, is walking into life now that never ends. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25? Even though you die, you'll live again. But then he says in verse 26, he who lives and believes in me will never die. So that 25th verse, believing in him, even though you die, you'll live again, that leaves room for healing, leaves room for raising the dead. But when you come down into verse 26, it's a whole new ball game. Jesus' message, Jesus' mission was not to get you to heaven. It's been so, so badly abused. Jesus didn't come to get you to heaven. Jesus' message and his mission, listen, was to get heaven into you while you're here, to get you functioning and living in the kingdom. And that, that makes us in, in a place where we live the abundant life here on the planet. That's why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to get you prepared to leave. He came to get heaven into you to express the kingdom, to express the abundant life, which is eternal life without the road bump of, of death. And we're going to look at a couple guys that experience that. And so the belief that death is the pathway to heaven. To believe that death is the portal to heaven is not what Jesus taught. It's not what Paul taught post-resurrection. Heaven joining earth was included in the finished work of the cross and it's what both Jesus and Paul taught. The coming of, of, of heaven and joining itself to earth. When Jesus said it is finished, You've all heard teaching on it. When Jesus said it was finished over at the temple, the veil was ripped in two. Up to that time, they had God in a box. They had him in the Holy of Holies. When Jesus said it was finished, the veil was ripped in two, and, G and, and God was released out of the box. And he's been out of the box ever since. He was never confined to that, 
place of holy of holies, but because in man's mind, in man's consciousness, he kept him there. They couldn't, they couldn't enjoy his presence. They didn't know how to approach him. And they would send one guy in once a year to, uh, to uh, represent them and they would tie a rope around his foot. So in case he got in trouble before God, they could, they could pull him out real quick, you know, before he died. When Jesus said it is finished, it then enabled in the mind of man for the presence of God, eternal life, life without end, Zoe, to now fill the planet and every inhabitant of the planet. So the two, two, mentions, two dimensions merged. Jesus brought two dimensions. When he came from heaven, he brought heaven to earth. He bridged, he bridged what had been in the minds of man, this separation of heaven and earth. And he came to demonstrate on earth how one can live in both dimensions. That's how he was able to do what he did. He was able to move from one to the other, back and forth from one to the other. And I'm going to read you the scripture about that in just a second. But I want to say this right now. Now we're awakening and submitting to what Jesus has connected us to. We're starting to get a glimpse of it. We're starting to get an idea of it. What he connected us to through his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, which included us. We were included. We were crucified with Christ. We, we were raised with Christ from the dead. And we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. So real quick, real quick, I, I, I want to just lay a little bit, and this is one of the reasons I didn't, I didn't want to leave this series till I established a couple of things. Real quick, let's establish the original connection that the Father made between heaven and earth. Let's go back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So what I want you to see out of that first verse is that the heavens and the earth were created at one time. There's a connection there automatically. Genesis 1.1 automatically connects simultaneously. Then we see in chapter 2 and verse 4 this. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now what, what, do, you, what do you get out of that? you get that both the heavens and the earth went through a creative process. And in both Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and in Genesis chapter 2 verse 4, they're running in parallel together. They're running in the same, the same direction. There was a creative connection between the heaven and the earth from the very get-go. Now, if you go to the back of the book, all right, that's how it was in Genesis. Now, let me just take you to the back of the book, and let me show you how it's going to end up. Now, between Genesis 1-1 and Revelation chapter 21, let me read the first three verses. Between that time, it's been a continual, continual journey to get heaven and earth intertwined, to get them back in union together so that the inhabitants could live in both dimensions at one time here on earth as Jesus fully demonstrated. 
if Jesus was the prototype son and he, he was able to move from the seen to the unseen, if he was able to do what he did and he told us we would do what he did and even greater things, then there has to be a time that our bodies catch up with our spirit and the revelation that is now dawning on us that heaven and earth are to be in union together. Isn't that what Jesus taught him to pray? He said, I want you to pray like this, that God's kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't pray that it would be done in heaven as it is on earth. He prayed that heaven would merge into earth. Now here's what happens at the end of the book. Revelation chapter 21, let me just read the first three verses. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Verse 2, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, I don't know if, if, if I dare say this. He's not talking about it coming out from the Milky Way. He's, he's talking about a merging, a blending of two levels of consciousness that are coming together as one. Coming together as one. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That means his dwelling place, his permanent habitation. It's, it's with men. It has been in us, but now it's going to be not only in us, but with us. It's going to be much more visible. It's going to be manifesting much more. Right now it's within us, and we, we receive that by faith. We receive uh, that, that working. We know that life is ginning and, and generating within us. It's, it resonates. You, 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 you know it's there. But now he said all of a sudden, this thing is going to become not, not just inward but outward. It, the two are going to, going to come together. And, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with him, and he shall be their God. Now, oh, I want to pick up one last verse. Verse 25 of that 21st chapter says this, Its gates, the gates of the city, shall not be shut by day. There shall be no night there. All right, now that's an important statement, that the gates will not shut to the city. That means you're able to go in and come out. We're starting to understand that now. <clears throat> What's, what, we're, what we're being prepared for is the merging of heaven and earth. That's exactly what we're being prepared for. And so now, at least conceptually, we're starting to say, okay, Jesus moved between two dimensions. He was able to go in and come out. And in verse 25, he signs the gates of the city never shut. In other words, we're going to function in those two dimensions. Now that shows exactly what Genesis 1 showed us in the beginning, that heaven and earth are linked together. And they will be linked together eternally. The holy city is not only God's dwelling place, but it's also the point of contact where the two merge into one and the gates to the city never shut because we have access to both. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? We have access to both. And both are filled with life. Now this is going to be, my goodness, I got so much I want to say about this. This is, this is going to be a gradual transition. 
that we make in receiving heaven into the earth, into this earth first. Then we're going to see as the kingdom be, continues to manifest that all these things were, were just starting to say, and listen, there's still mystery. I don't have all the answers by far, but I'm telling you what lies ahead of us. And it's just the reverse, as so many things are. It's just the reverse of what was taught down at the church house. Earth needs to receive heaven. Now, Jesus gives us a couple real good insights on this. In Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. Let me just read one verse of scripture here. And I want, because this will give you a visualization of what I'm talking about this morning. I know I'm talking about a lot. <laughs> you probably need to come back and just listen to it again. Like I say, crock pot it. Crock pot it, put it on the back burner, let it slow cook. Jesus gives a visualization of the two dimensions coming in into one in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. Let me flip over one more page. He says this. He said another parable he spoke to them and he said the kingdom of heaven all right listening the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal which is a a symbolic a, a metaphor for the earth he hid it in the meal until it was all leavened you got that so the the, the heaven came into the earth and you're the first fruits of that. You are into the earth. You are leavening the lump. You're shining light on the darkness. Um, a powerful thing. And Jesus said it's going to continue to work until heaven permeates the entirety of earth. And the two will be one. That's going to be an amazing thing. Amazing thing. But that's what he taught. The point that Jesus was making was that heaven is to be mixed in all parts of the earth. And what a powerful illustration that he used it was leaven in a lump. So he said it's going to be completely merged. It's going to be completely meshed together. Religion has hoodwinked us to see heaven up there and earth down here. And the two never meet. See, And what religion has tried to prepare you to do is to get saved, to get right with God so that you'll be fit to come through the passageway from earth to heaven, which is death. That's what we were told. But that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus said this in John chapter, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Jesus had so much insight about this, but they, they absolutely had no, no ears to hear it. They had no idea <laughs> what Jesus was talking about. In chapter 3 of John, in verse 13, he says, No one has ascended from heaven to earth, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in the heaven. So that when you read that, it's almost a confusing verse. Because he says, the one who came to earth descended from heaven. But he said, he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. So he's saying he descended from heaven to earth. He's on earth, but he's still in heaven. You see the two dimensions? You see the two at one time? That's how he functioned. I, I, I never saw that till this week. I read that verse and I go, oh my gosh. 
Jesus is showing us that he actually lived in both places. No one came down from heaven except the Son of Man, and he's on the earth, but he's still out of heaven. He's still in heaven. Let me read that again. You need to meditate that this week. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven to, to join. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. I thought he was on earth. He's in heaven. And he, he gave us another little insight, right? He, 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 he descended in consciousness. He became as a man, Lord, uh, his reputation. That's what it means by he descended. He, he brought himself down to where man is and he merged the two. He, he took heaven and earth and brought them together in one man. And now he's passed that to you. They now come together in you. Do, can you recognize that? Can you see that? He, de he descended in awareness. He descended in consciousness. In Philippians 2, it says that he took upon himself the image and likeness of a man, made himself of no reputation. Heaven was never designed in the beginning to be separate from earth, right? And that's part of the restoration of all things. And the restoration of all things has got to include our bodies. If it's all set back into place as it was in the very beginning, then it has to be the restoration of our body as well. If all we're doing here, if the only, only mission we have is what the church has laid out, which is to get people prepared that the Father sent to get them prepared to go back, what's the point? The, the whole point of creating the earth was that the influence, the glory of God, the presence of God, would be extended into this into this dimension, into this realm. If all we're doing here is to get ourselves prayed up and right with God, and you know, free from uh, smoking, drinking, and cussing, and dancing, and going to the movies, get ourselves right. All we really need is somebody to open our eyes. And like I told you one week, all we really need after somebody's opened our eyes is an executioner to put a bullet in our head to make sure we get there while we're still good. And like that lady, I, I, Andrea Yates, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, she drowned five children here in Texas before they reached what her church taught was the age of accountability. And she did that. And if you have that mindset, she actually did those kids a favor. Eternally, she did them a favor in that theological concept. She had no idea of what, what this was all about. Now, there is a small pattern, and I will admit to you, it's a very small pattern of three men who did not die, who did not die. First one, and I'm just going to read real quick story on him. First one is in Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. And I just want to point out something about this story. I know you've, you know the story of Enoch. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, it says this, Enoch lived 65 years, and he begot Methuselah. And after Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God. This is so important. He walked with God. He walked with God. That means he ate from the tree of life. He wasn't bound up in that tree of knowledge, good and evil. He began to do 
only what the Father said for him to do. And watch, watch this. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Didn't say he died. He did not die. God took him. Look me right in the eye. I'll tell you something. There's a huge difference between dying and God taking you. Huge difference between dying and God taking you. There is going to be a revival of Enoch's. That's the way we that's the way we exit. God just takes us. It's not sickness, not disease, not calamity, not unexpected sickness that throws us on a, a bed until they give us a a morphine drip till we drift off into never never land it's God taking us and he lived 300 and some years that's that sounds right that sounds right all right let me let me give you one more second Kings chapter 2 second Kings chapter 2 it's over a little bit to the right second Kings chapter 2 this is this is another story and it's it's much the same only different, right? The same but different. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11. <clears throat> then it happened. As they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up into a whirlwind into heaven. Now he was taken by God a little different than Enoch. Doesn't, doesn't give that much detail about Enoch. But the point is, he didn't die. God took him. And, and it was a pretty uh, flamboyant taking. Others, others saw it. Now, if you read on, they did, the, the guys that saw it didn't quite understand. They thought that Enoch was, or, um, Elijah was going to be set down someplace else. He wasn't going to be set down anyplace else. God took him. He did not die. Enoch and Elijah have physical bodies. There's a third guy that's got a physical body. It's Jesus. Jesus arose from the dead, and he never, he never died. Death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. He was the first man that was born from death to life. And you were with him. You were born from death to life. Peter says, uh, begotten again. Uh, the word, I think, is, is pronounced ananageo. It means to be born again. So how... If, if death is not the doorway to heaven, how do we, how do we get to heaven? How, what, what's this thing about? Well, Jesus, Jesus lays some, some things down for us in John, and I'm going to read two passages of Scripture. I want to read John 10. I want to read the first 10 verses. Jesus gives some deep clues into this, this, um, this doorway into heaven, and it's not death. I know what we've been taught, and I'm trying to get us to renew our minds out of that old idea that we have to die to get to heaven. You don't have to die to get life. There is a way that we can be into eternal life even in the now, and that's kingdom living. That's the abundant life. That's what Jesus came to give to us. And he demonstrated. Death couldn't hold him. And he said very plainly, nobody takes it from me. I'm going to voluntarily lay it down to pull you into that dimension, to pull you into that place that I'm demonstrating. All right, John chapter 10. Let me read 10 verses. Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, 
He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door. What's the sheepfold? I think he's talking about heaven. He's talking about that dimension by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So if you're going to try to get into the sheepfold, he's not talking about the church. Dear Lord, help us. He's talking about that dimension of consciousness we call heaven. He said, if you go in by any other way than the door, you're a thief and a a robber. If you think entrance comes by praying the magic prayer, you're not going through the door. You're going in through the magic prayer. If you think baptism is the thing that is the door into eternal life, you're coming in some other way than the door. We're going to find out who the, what the door is into all of this. It's not the magic prayer. It's not water baptism. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not demonstrating gifts of the Spirit. That's not Those are not the doorways. And if you're depending on those things, he says you're a thief and a robber. You're, you're, you're thieving from Jesus who's going to tell us, and I'm really getting ahead of the story here, he's going to tell us what the door is. And it's not anything else other than what Jesus says it is. Are you with me? All right. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So the shepherd goes through the door first. He's made an entrance way. He's he's made a, a way in for the sheep to follow. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out, his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Once you get tapped in on Jesus being the door, he's 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 saying here, he's the door. He went through he went through the doorway first. He went He went through that death doorway so that we don't have to. That's not the entrance for us. And he said his sheep hear his voice. His sheep are going to know they follow him the same way that he went because they were in him when he made the entrance. If one died for all, then all died. One man tasted death for all, Hebrews says. So that death thing being the doorway has been obliterated by Jesus. Jesus led us through. Now, the sheep, you and I, hear his voice saying, I'm the door. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Not not anything else. If you're depending on something else, you're stealing from me. Because my inheritance, you are, Jesus saying, you are my inheritance. I died so that this, this could be the way that you have what I died to give to you. It's not by you doing something. That makes you a thief and a robber. You're stealing from what Jesus actually did. Are you there? Jesus' door. Can can it really be that simple? Can it just be looking to the door? Jesus is the door, not death. The whole passage is is about how we access the life of God through Jesus. And there is no other way to access it. I know you probably had an emotional lease when you prayed down the altar, ball and squalled, and asked God to forgive you all your sins. What do you think he did on the cross? You're asking God to do something for you that has already been accomplished. I, I know it makes you feel good. 
There is an emotional release to it. It's good for our conscience. And if that's fine, John said, if you confess your sins, you can be absolutely sure he's forgiven them and made you righteous, right? It's for you if you want. Actually, John's writing that to Jewish people who had been accustomed to sacrificing an animal for the forgiveness of sins. And so John's kind of bringing them halfway through there. And he's saying, look, if you just want to confess and tell God about it, just know that he's faithful and just to forgive him. You don't need the animal anymore. But that's not really what Paul writes to the Gentiles. He's, Paul continually tells us that our sins are done away with. They're, they're under God's remembrance no more. If God does not remember sin anymore, then why do we think we have to confess sin to make this pathway that we can get to heaven where God is? That somehow we got to do some spiritual gymnastics to prepare ourselves when Jesus has already said, I include you, I embrace you. I entered into your darkest dark and included you in everything that I did. Now open your eyes to it. Is there a receiving it? Absolutely. But the receiving is not a work. It's not an action. It's an awareness. It's a consciousness. It's a perception. And so in that 10th, in that 10th, um, chapter of John, he's trying to pull the sheet back. He's trying to reveal to them, and this is pre-cross, so he's talking to Jews that really don't get it, but he's trying to lay it out for them so that at some point in time, they're going to look back and say, oh, I remember Jesus teaching us about that. I remember him telling us about that. There's no way to live out the immortal life except by being in him who is immortal. Did you hear me? There's no way to, to uh, manifest an immortal life except to be in the one who is immortal. And aren't you glad you're in him? You're in him. And in John chapter 14, Jesus, he lays it down again. John, John was so good at recording this stuff. In John chapter 14, let me read verses 1 to 6. And he's going he's gonna to explain it and, and tweak it. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now he's, he's telling this to the Jews. You guys believe in God. I know you have, a, you have a, a, somewhat of an understanding. It's skewed. It's jacked up. But he said, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, levels of consciousness, levels of understanding. He's not talking about building you uh, a house that you're going to walk up in front of and go, oh my goodness, look at that. I got the house with a swimming pool because I live so good. Oh, my, my swimming pool's bigger than your swimming pool. Oh, look at there. I have, I have shutters on my windows. You know, I don't know what you, look at my house. No, he's not talking about stone and mortar and wood houses, mansions, physical. He's talking about levels of consciousness. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a level of understanding for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive to myself that where I am, you may be also. So he said, look, I'm, I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going in the tomb. I'm coming out, but I'm going to take you everywhere that I go. I'm taking you to the cross, taking you to the tomb, taking you as we ascend together in levels of understanding. And we're, we're in one mansion now, <laughs> one level of consciousness, but we're going to progress to another one. <clears throat> Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, 
I am the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me, not even through death. No one comes to the Father through death. Do you understand that? You come through Jesus. Jesus came, put his feet on the planet so that we would know we were included in him and we can live and believe in him and not die. John eleven twenty six. 26. Now, some of them didn't get it. So he said, okay, John eleven twenty five. 25. If you live, if you believe in me, believe in me, even though you die, you're going to live. He's, there's going to be a, a continual education after you then die that's, that will allow you to come into that life that you should have embraced and should have lived in the whole time you were on the planet. So in John chapter 14, verse 1 to 6, the first thing Jesus says, don't be afraid, don't be anxious, don't, don't get uptight about this. I've prepared it. I've got it done. It's finished. I'm going to I'm going to go to I'm going to prepare a place for you. And the he did it through going to the cross, didn't he? He he prepared the place by going to the tomb. He prepared the place by resurrection. He prepared the place by ascension. The place has been prepared. And he said, "If I go, I'm going to come back to you." He came in the spirit of truth to lead us and guide us 2000 years. And it's just now that we're starting to get a grip on this. The word, he said, I am the way. The, the word way uh, in the Greek means highway or path to be traveled. He is the highway. He is the path to be traveled that brings us into that dimension of immortality. He's telling them there's no path to the Father but through him. Death is not the path to the Father. Jesus is. He, he's speaking very, 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 very plainly to them, right? So thinking that we have to die to get to heaven is just contrary. It's just contrary to the plan the Father had from the very beginning and the words that Jesus spoke. The plan that the Father had from the beginning was the merging of heaven and earth in union. And we read in, in, in Revelation, that's what's going to happen. And so Jesus comes and says, look, the way we're going to do this is through me. There's going to be a generation that experiences that full union of heaven and earth. And it's going to be unbelievable. People's creativity is going to explode. Their minds, we, we only use 10% of our brain power. Can you imagine when heaven invades earth as, as it is now? I mean, the revelation we're getting now is phenomenal. But this is just the opening act, y'all. All y'all. This is just the opening act. The best is yet to come. We're just seeing now dimly. We're not seeing through the glass perfectly yet. All right, real quick view at the New Testament on this. And then we'll get we'll be done with this. All right, fair enough. I, I hope I haven't <laughs> totally messed you up today. I had to get this part out because it was wearing on me that I had to drive the stake down that death is not the entrance into heaven as we've been taught. You have to die to go to heaven. No, you, you're there because of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through him. You don't come through death. Gen, uh, I've read this so many times. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
And again, you're in Christ. So every spiritual blessing, you are you don't have to die to get. All, all we really need to do is to, is to move the level of consciousness to begin to be aware that this all is within us. That now we eat from the tree of life. Somebody said, well, how do I... Somebody messaged me this week and said, how do I eat from the tree of life? You know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what's logical, what seems right, what the facts are. How do I get out of that? I'm going to tell you how you do it. You begin with very simple things. You go within. You start to listen within in small things. Like you're at a restaurant. What should I eat? You're looking at the menu. Go in. Ask, ask the father, what should I eat off this menu? You're, you're going to drive to the store. Ask the Father, go in. What route should I take? If there's more than one way to get there, what route should I take? If you're, if you're buying a new car, go within. It's not the one that catches your eye. Go within. What kind of car do I need? What should I have? What, what color? See, you learn to listen from within. And the more that you learn to listen within, just begin with simple things. You perfect that skill, see? And the heaven that is within you begins to manifest. That voice that is within you becomes very loud, very loud. The voice within me is louder than it's ever been my entire life. And I, this is, this, I'm telling you how I've, how, this is the path I've developed this in. I start with very small things. And I'm into, into bigger things where I'm, asking him about secrets and mysteries. I'm asking him about this and I'm not trying to figure it out in my head. I'm listening to it unwind within me. So at some point you have to begin on whatever level, many mansions, many levels of consciousness. So you start where you're at, but I'm telling you how you learn to begin to eat from that tree of life. And then you follow what you sense is within, may conflict with your mind. Your mind's going to squall and ball. It's not going to like you doing that because your mind is used to being in control. Your mind is used to telling you what you need to do and when you need to do it and how you need to do it. And when you start saying, mind, shut up, we're going to listen to the boss. The one that is within me knows exactly what we need to do and how to do it and when to do it. And if we should do it, even at all. all right? So he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Where's heavenly places? It's within you. The kingdom is within you. It's all within you. Why, why are we wanting to bypass what is within us with intellect? It, intellect needs to come and bow and knee to the one that's within you. There's nothing wrong with good mind or strong will or emotions. There's nothing wrong with those things. They're just not designed. They make, they make a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And through generations, our mind, our will, and our emotions, the soulish part of us has become the boss. And this voice that is within has become just a little squeak, just a little whisper. Now we're starting to change it because the tree of life has got roots and it's starting to grow and it's starting to produce fruit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. Ephesians is about elevating consciousness, becoming aware, becoming perceptive of the heavens that is within us and it merging with this earth. See, it all has to start with us. The merging of heaven and earth begins with you. Then as it's developed within you, it begins to flow out of you and it begins to touch other people. And you're going to be amazed how people recognize that working within you. It's going to be all over you. Chapter 2, verse 6. 
He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, right? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So he's elevated us. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. He's seated right there. You're on the throne sitting with him. This is all an internal work. We're at that stage where this is an internal work. But it begins to flow outward. It's that leaven working in a lump. As it comes out of you, it works into the into the lump. And he's already he's already raised us up together. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge that you are raised up with him. All right. One more one more real quick. Uh, Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three and verse one. If you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above. That's what I've just been telling you. You're raised with Christ. Now you seek the things that are higher in consciousness. You seek the things that are higher. You seek the tree of life. That's what was designed to feed you. That's the highest thing you can eat from. The the lower things, the the the, the animalistic part of us, eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? There's a war. They want to, it wants to war. It wants to tug with the spirit. It wants to remain dominant. But if, you, if you've been raised, seek the things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. All right. Let me, let me land this plane and say this. These, these, aren't things, these are not things we can force to happen. Everything I've taught you for six weeks, we cannot force to happen. It's a natural working and outworking of the Spirit. But the thing that you can do is to begin to cooperate internally with what we've been teaching. You begin to embrace, I don't have to die. I can lay my life down. I can live a happy, full life. I can be taken as Enoch and Elijah were taken and as Jesus went up. I don't have to die sick. I don't have to die of disease. I don't have to die with a bullet to the head from a gunman. Jesus, when they got ready to get to execute Jesus one time, it wasn't he wasn't ready to go. He just walked through the crowd. He became invisible because he's working in two dimensions. Are you listening to me? As 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 heaven begins to permeate earth, you're gonna sense now all of a sudden you're working in two places at one time. I I got so much to say, my time is up. Jesus is the way to heaven, not death. Not death. Death is not your friend. It is an enemy. It is the last enemy to be destroyed. And every enemy of every enemy that we have on our way to defeating the last one, like fear, uh, doubt, uh, envy, strife, division, all those enemies have got to be defeated before we get to death. And that's where we're working right now. Don Keithley's got a lot to say this morning, but I'm 54 minutes and 54 seconds into this. So let me just say this. Things have been teaching for six weeks. We just need to align our life to it. Just begin to think it. Renew our thinking to what the Father planned from the very get-go. Jesus came to demonstrate and make it fully available to us. I don't know about you. I want my full inheritance. I don't want one thing less than what absolutely belongs to me freely by grace because of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for being with me this morning. I went a little bit of overtime. I just had to get this out. Hope you understand. 
Wednesday night, Secret Place, we'll talk about a little bit more. If you're not on the Don Keithley ministry page, you need to get over there. If you're on Facebook, come on over. It's a private group. What we say in the group stays in the group. Uh, it's a place you can express yourself without being trolled, harassed, belittled. It's a place we learn and grow together. And that's where we show the secret place on Don Keithley ministry page. God bless you. See you next Sunday morning, 10 a.m. We're going to keep working through a whole lot of things that God's doing in 2023. And Wednesday night, we talk about it just a little bit deeper. So see you Wednesday and next Sunday. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. Thank you for making this journey with me and putting skin in the game. Amen. God bless. See you next time. If this teaching resonates with you and you would like to partner with us in our expanding efforts to take this message of grace and union around the world, you may make a donation at donkeithley.com. We thank you for your continued support and encouragement.